The Big Fight Weekend Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Winning season is back at MyBookie and they're offering a 100% deposit bonus when you use the promo code SGP. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Want to get an advantage over the sports book with the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, or any other betting action? Well, you need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. Head to BetQL.co and enter the code SGP20 for a 20% off discount on your first subscription. That's BetQL.co and the promo code SGP20. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Finally, don't forget to sign up for the Free Roll Football Contest, where we're giving away up to $5,000 for the best NFL handicappers this season. Sign up for free today. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash contest. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash contest. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, welcome in, everybody. Brand new month, brand new edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Great to have you hanging out with us as we ring the bell on another week, a week of busy news, a week of a a really history-making fight in Manila, Can it have been 45 years ago, the Thriller in Manila? We're going to talk some about that and much more. I am merely the host of the show. I've got senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns here with me hanging out. Week Sauce Radio, how you feeling? Pretty good, TJ. Never a weekend of great fights coming up. Maybe, maybe not. We'll try to sell it. Uh, We we do our best with that. (laughs) Let me tell you why we're thrilled. We're thrilled because we have from Yahoo Sports, their combat sports aficionado, the guru of their MMA coverage and their boxing coverage, which is why we have him here on Big Fight Weekend. Kevin Ioli is with us. Thank you on short notice for answering the bat signal and jumping on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, sir. Good to have you. I am happy to be here. Thanks for calling. All right. So lots of news to get to. We're going to cover all of this. By the way, however you found us, either through BigFightWeekend.com or the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whenever there's a preview podcast, usually out by Friday midday. Whenever we're previewing, we're doing it here on Big Fight Weekend. So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's get to some news of the week. Uh, First up, hey, the soap opera takes yet another twist and turn. Will we ever see Canelo Alvarez fight in 2020 or any other year? He's back suing Oscar De La Hoya and DAZN once again refiling the lawsuit. Kevin, to you first. You're out on the West Coast based in Las Vegas. A, were you really surprised that he's continuing the suit? And what do you think all of this means right now? 
Well, I think the number one thing that it means, TJ, is the fact that Canelo won't fight this year. I don't see how there's any way that he could fight in uh, in 2020 with these lawsuits going. Because if they started today to get a settlement, you know, they're they're close to the deadline to get all the marketing materials out now to get it inside in sometime. Let's say he fights when he fought Rocky Fielding, you know, mid December. Um, you know, they they have maybe a four or five days at the most where they can get their marketing materials together and ready and out. You know, it's just not realistic for them to do. So I I think the fact that they refiled the suit would tell you, number one, Canelo is is not fighting in uh, in 2020. Um, You know, and I I wasn't surprised, though, um, because I think Canelo feels uh, and people argue this and have different opinions. But Canelo feels strongly that uh, that he was screwed in this. And, um, you know, he's he's not been on board with Oscar for quite a long time. And I think this is more evidence of that. And I said at the time the first thing was filed you know canelo is a detail person and oscar is anything but a detail person there's a lot of good things you can say about oscar but being a detail person is not one of them and i think they you know they're kind of at loggerheads just because of that to begin with and then a whole other you know series of issues comes in and marquise we have well documented on the site and on this podcast keep the plastic forks and knives away from canelo and and de la hoya right now they ain't getting along uh, same question to you. We heard about mediation. Uh, again, whether, you, whether you're talking about mediation in business, mediation in marriage counseling, mediation between parents and their kids, any kind of mediation trying to solve something, uh, you're trying to solve it. They had mediation between Canelo, De La Hoya, DeZone. Apparently, it did not go to the satisfaction of Canelo Alvarez because the lawsuit's still going on and still being refiled here. What's your reaction, Marquise? Uh, as Kevin mentioned before, TJ, it's pretty expected. The reason is simple, guys. I got 280 million reasons why Canelo wants to refile this lawsuit. I don't hear anything otherwise. They mentioned with this lawsuit as well, The they're trying to make uh, fight arrangements for different fighters, or they want this third Golovkin fight at this point, which, I, let's be honest, guys, this fight's never going to happen. And also... They are trying to bait and switch Canelo with the contract that he has his guaranteed money with from $35 million to, 20, at one point, he said in the complaint, $10 million in stocks or $20 million in the, <laughs> in the zone operations. And let's be honest, guys, uh, the zone's not here for the long run. I don't know how much that stock's going to be worth in about three years. So at, at this point, it might as just follow it, see what you can get. And if that mediation, TJ, is an arbitration to get out of this deal, I don't, I don't see anything Well, different. right, and the, and the distinction, again, Kevin knows this, Marquise knows this, we're just clarifying for the audience, a mediator is not a judge, it's not an arbitrator, the mediator can't order anybody to do anything, the mediator, again, is like a marriage counselor, it's like, it's like somebody trying to work it out, trying to referee between the two and get them to agree, so ultimately, if Canelo doesn't want to agree, they can't force him back into the ring uh, by mediation. It would have to be an arbitrator. This is the other thing, guys, for both of you. Kevin, I guess we'll go to you first. The $280 million lawsuit isn't going to be resolved in November. It's not going to be resolved even in 2021. I mean, the way the California court system and the civil system works, it might be years before with depositions you even see a jury. So ultimately, the lawsuit is more about public opinion, putting the stink on the other two, leverage from that way. Isn't it, Kevin? Isn't that fair? Isn't that accurate? Well, I think, you know, that the lawsuit did one thing that they couldn't do before. Canelo's lawyers and DeZone's lawyers can now talk about a settlement. Before, if they would have talked, 
Golden Boy would have been able to say, hey, that's tortious interference with our guy. You don't have a contract with him. Uh, you're not allowed to talk to him. Now they can discuss a settlement. So that gives them each a path to work uh, through with Golden Boy. And so I think Canelo, I think most people would agree, right, that Canelo's argument is not so much with the zone, even though he's not happy with trying to cut the purse. And, you know, Gennady Golovkin makes 15 million a fight, but he actually gets seven and a half million cash and then he gets seven and a half million in uh, in stock in the company or mm -hmm. equity in the company. And um, and so. You know, obviously he's not, and like you said before, you know, that that's, what is that going to be worth in a couple of years? I'm not sure it's going to be worth too much. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and where are the fight, all these fights he was supposed to get. But I think that the, the, from the DAZN standpoint, they didn't mind the lawsuit because now they can sit there with Canelo's lawyers and talk. And, you know, here, and the issue that really there was two issues that came up. Number one, Oscar made a huge mistake when he he gave the right uh, to, the same right to two different people. When he's negotiating the deal with DAZN, he gives DAZN the right to have the final say on who Canelo fights. So all three sides are going to talk about who's next. You know, do you want to fight Golovkin? Everybody has their own opinion. At the end of the day, Oscar says to uh, to DAZN, "You have the right to say that." Then when he's doing his contract with Canelo for that uh, for that thing. He gives Canelo the right of last refusal. So as a result, Canelo and DeZone, who do not have a contract with each other, both think that they have the final say in who they fight. And you cannot blame DeZone. They're sitting there saying, we're going to pay you $35 million. We don't want to have Rocky Fielding in these types of fights. <laughs> right. So yeah. we are going to force you to fight somebody good or somebody more recognizable. And Canelo says, hey, you agreed to these terms. This is what I agreed to when I signed my contract with Golden Boy was I get that specific term. And that led to one other what I think could be a, a – a, career-ending uh, mistake, if it if it turns out to be true, it was an allegation in the suit. Oscar, according to Kello's suit, personally guaranteed the money. Think about that. Mm. So he's saying, if there's any problem, DAZN doesn't pay you, I will pay you. It, now, that was an allegation that Canelo made via his lawyers in the suit. But if, in fact, that is correct, Golden Boy could be on the verge of bankruptcy, as could Oscar, given that. Wow. Another part of the twists and turns and the soap opera. That's the voice of Kevin Ioli. I've got Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. It is the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I promise we're going to move on to a couple of other subjects and talk Thrilla in Manila because Kevin can't wait. And neither can I and neither can Marquise to talk about that fight. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Marquise, the same thing to you here. We have talked on these podcasts, repeated here. There's nobody else that's going to give Canelo $35 million, $30 million, $25 million guaranteed right now if he was a free agent right this second he would not be getting that from anybody else do you at this point do you think Canelo wants to get back in the ring anytime soon or is the posturing just let me get whatever I can get and get out of this deal and I'll make a new deal with somebody even if it's even if it's for less money Marquise I believe TJ at this point, this is just a stall tactic and a, and a power play just to get out of this deal. As you mentioned before, we they've been at this for about a solid year and a half now of us Lisa covering these guys, bickering back and forth one way or another. And it's funny, I forgot that Kevin mentioned the allegation that of Oscar De La Hoya beyond the possibility of being bankrupt, TJ. That that circles back to the weird uh, thing that happened about a month ago of him surprisingly making his return back to the ring after a 12-year absence after getting beat by Manny Pacquiao. Mm. So that starts to link a lot more and makes a lot more sense on that part of it. 
The, the De La Hoya, the, what you're saying is De La Hoya, the fighter, can go make some money. But how much can he make? I mean, come on. He's 47. How much can he really make as a fighter as opposed to can they just get Canelo back in the ring, which is what everybody wants to see here. We're uh-huh. going on. He's, he's fought one time basically in a year and a half, and, and it doesn't look like he's fighting anytime soon and not at all in 2020. Uh, and, and it might be a contest, Kevin, who goes out of business first between DAZN <laughs> USA and, and Oscar De La Hoya or both of them here? Well, I don't think DAZN's going to go out of business, right? Because they're, they're owned uh, by a billionaire. And at the time the lawsuit was filed, I did some uh, looking. And uh, Leonard Blavatnik, I think that day, had earned $426 million. On that um, day, you're saying that day, on right? That, so, that day, much the same, like, much the same deal as Kevin has with Yahoo and Marquise has with the website. Four twenty six. I'm working on getting to that point. I'm close, but not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no. So he made that in that day, and guys, you know, I think I think his net worth, if I'm not mistaken, and it's in this uh, area, is like thirty eight billion dollars. So he's in that Bill Gates territory. Um, so they're not going to go bankrupt unless he wants the company to go bankrupt. You know, he has the money to fund it. Um, but guys that are worth $38 billion usually don't like just, you know, that's right. It that's the right. The zone had. And I, I said this at the beginning and I loved the concept of what they did. And there's a lot of good stuff about it. But the problem was they can't, you know, they had to spend way more than market value to get the fighters. And then they still can't get the fights that people want. So, you know, they they don't have NFL rights. They did have a, a highlight deal with Major League Baseball, and they they defaulted on a $100 million payment to Major League Baseball, so they're in court with that. They don't have NBA. Um, you know, basically what they have in for their U.S. audience is soccer, boxing, and darts. And... <laughs> And that's pretty much it. And I, like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to pay ten bucks a month to watch. I hate soccer, and I'm sorry, <laughs> you guys may like it. I hate it. You know, any sport. Like, I love boxing, but any sport where you intentionally let the ball hit you in the head, like you do in soccer, you know, is not for me. And so, you know, I pass, I pass on soccer. But I said. You know, so darts is not worth my ten. And snooker, month. snooker, billiards. Don't, snooker, Don't forget Kevin. snooker, snooker. <laughs> yeah, right. We right. gotta get, we gotta get some fights on there, and they just can't get them. And um, yep. you know what you said before, uh, TJ. Uh, I think it was you, but you you said about uh, Canelo if he's on the free agent market now. I specifically talked to Bob Arum about that, and he said there's no way you could pay him that kind of money. Of course, there's just no way. Even if the pandemic ended tomorrow. There, there's no way uh, of pay, getting that kind of money. So, you know, DAZN made a really bad contract there, and they're doing their best to try to, you know, you know, make make up for it and do what they can, but uh, it's, it's a tough one. Voice of Kevin Ioli, Marquise Johns with me, and now here we go. We're going to talk about a couple of other things that are going on, and I promise we're coming to the Thriller in Manila right after that. Okay, so uh, you are obviously plugged in out in Vegas. What is the latest, because we wrote about this uh, here earlier this week with the uh, Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder date for their proposed third fight in their trilogy. It had been, uh, let's just say, penciled in for December the 19th, Allegiant Stadium, the, the brand new football, uh, humongous stadium that the Las Vegas Raiders are playing in. It would be available on that Saturday night. But now Bob Arum is saying, giving some interviews in the last two or three days at the time we're taping here, 
We can't make that date work because ESPN and Fox, who are the joint partners to televise the pay-per-view, have a bunch of college football and maybe even some NFL football for Fox on that Saturday night. They can't make it work for that night. Will this fight still happen in December earlier in the month? Will it be in 2021? Kevin, what are you hearing, first of all? Do we have to wait until January, as it looks like right now? Well, there was a meeting today uh, with some top rank officials, some uh, uh, county government officials, and uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And it still shocks me to say Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. but Las Vegas Raiders officials um, uh, today. And so I don't know the result of that meeting. They met this afternoon uh, to discuss what's going on. I think it looks likely that it's going to get pushed into uh, next year because if you go backward, you know, you go uh, December 12th, UFC has a, a big pay-per-view that weekend. I don't think they want to go against that. Um, you go to the uh, fifth and there's a, there's a lot of football obligations. And then if you go, um, you know, uh, the following week, uh, you're, you're talking about the day after Christmas. And I don't think that's generally a day where you're going to do much business. So I think it's almost certain to go into uh, 2021. It looks like that's going to be the only uh, way to get it done. And my guess would be, you know, there's no reason to do it in January at that point. Wait a little bit longer. They may go into February like they did last year. Yeah, the one year anniversary. And the tricky thing is the Raiders are good, or we think they're good. It's early in the year. They could be in the playoffs and in need of Allegiant Stadium where you can't really plan the first and second and third week in January because the Raiders could have playoff games in that stadium. And again, for clarity, they want that stadium, that venue, because they can socially distance uh, some 10, maybe even 15,000 people, spread them around, put them in suites, charge them a bunch of money, and have live gate revenue. Maybe, it, you know, it's not going to probably be anywhere close to the live gate revenue they had at the MGM Grand before that, but maybe they could make a few million dollars on LiveGate if you've got 15000 in there and spread them out. So they want that venue. The hard part is trying to juggle the venue being available. And again, ESPN on December the 19th now, because college football has shifted, will be and televising. plays there too, by the way. That's Remember, correct. And so another, another, team, another team's playing there. But ESPN's got three college football championship games to televise. Fox will televise one of them. And Fox may also be doing an NFL game. And they have already just put it out there to top rank and pbc we can't be in the boxing business that night too with the same craziness that's going on so they're trying to figure it all out on on when it will be hey marquise to you real quick one of the more intriguing fights coming next month is apparently also or this month i should say now that we're in october uh the gervonta davis leo santa cruz fight we have now uh, heard that that fight is being pushed back at least one week but more importantly speaking of fans it will apparently move out of the showtime pbc bubble at the mohegan sun casino in connecticut and maybe be on the move where what does it look like marquise for this and maybe have fans at it what's the latest Absolutely, TJ. It's going to be set up currently on Halloween on the 31st on that Saturday at the Alamo Dome, home of your San Antonio Spurs, and apparently for this <laughs> fight of 12500 for uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Javante Davis, which is going to be uh, going to be sold out at, at, with that number, TJ. Uh, as you know, I was in Atlanta last year for Davis Gamboa, which wasn't socially distanced, but it was a solid 15,000 people there. This one will probably have that because of the way it, uh, Santa Cruz travels and the way Davis has, has a, a following as well. It, the only problem with the, the date moving moved back is they are now uh, stacked up that fight card with the ones everyone else is having. I want to say there's a UFC pay-per-view. Right. 
and is also a, and the top ranked, the top rank card no, no, is the monster, missed, right? The UFC pay per view, Marquise. You, by, Hab- by a week white. Yeah, Habib right. was fighting on October twenty fourth, so now they by moving to the thirty first, they get away from that. But okay, the, so monster, the monster, the uh, monster, Naoya Inoue, the Japanese star, he's fighting uh, the Australian uh, Jason, Maloney. Jason Maloney, and it's a big top rank show uh, that is also going to be taking place on that same day. So there's going to be a little competition. Kevin, what do you make, though? It's a little bold here. Showtime is saying, hey, we're going to get out of the bubble where the Charlos fought last weekend on the pay-per-view doubleheader, and we're going to have socially distanced fans in Texas and maybe have up to 12,000, something like that, spread out inside the indoor Alamo Dome. What do you make of that? I like it. I mean, if they can make it safe, I like it. And I think, you know, I've been in the bubble for UFC and top rank uh, quite a bit. And I was skeptical at first, but I'm not so skeptical anymore. Now, of course, the bubbles I've been in, no fans have been at. uh, But I think that, you know, they've done a great job, both top rank and and UFC, of of organizing it. And so you do feel safe when you're in there and you feel like, you know, that, you know, there's no undue risk that you're going to get sick. And I think, look, Habib and Justin Gaethje, that fight is going to do a million and a half to two million pay-per-views. You don't want to be up against that monster. And you also know if you're the PBC, you know, your coverage, you, you'll get coverage from ESPN.com, the, the written coverage. But what you won't get the week of October 24th would would be the sports center coverage and having Tank Davis on all the shows, you know, do the car wash and and all the uh, and on the crawler at the bottom and all those little things that have been so important uh, for both UFC and top rank as they have uh, gone forward in their deals with ESPN by now moving away. Still, they're going to be going up against, as you mentioned, Inoue, which I think is a great fight. You know, in my mind, uh, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Some people think the best. Um, I have him in my top five, but he he's a phenomenal fighter. Uh, I think clearly the best fighter fighting that day is, is Noya Inoue. Um, but I think, you know, you're getting away from that monster UFC pay-per-view and giving yourself the opportunity to get a gate. I, I think it was a no-brainer, and, and, and I applaud them for doing what they did. Interesting. All right. So it looks like that that one will have fans and fans slowly being involved, at least some for the fights in the U.S. as we go along. Few more moments again on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Kevin Ioli is here. Love his insight from Yahoo Sports. You read him all the time. You see him all the time on Yahoo, not just boxing, but MMA. They're combat sports guru and senior writer for all of that. Love him spending some time with us. Let's talk it, and I got to say it like Cosell. Kevin and I are contemporaries. Marquise is a little younger. The Thriller in Manila. Ali and Frazier. Can that have been, Kevin, 45 years ago on Thursday night, October 1st, 1975? It was actually an afternoon, like an early afternoon in Manila, primetime, late night with the time difference in the United States on closed circuit. And it was about 100 degrees in the in the yeah. arena. And you you said... Um, you kind of teased at the beginning of this conversation. You tweeted it and wrote about it on Yahoo. This is arguably one of the two or three greatest fights, if not the greatest heavyweight title fight maybe ever. Tell us a little more real quick. Yeah, I, th- I think when you consider, like, there's a lot of fights you can look at and say, this was a great fight, that was a great fight. But I think when you're saying great fights, if you take the skill of the athletes into account, 
you are talking about two of the greatest heavyweights who ever lived who put on this violent, uh, unbelievable, intense brawl under extremely adverse conditions. You mentioned it was over 100 degrees. The humidity was high. There was no air conditioning. <laughs> um, I mean, it was very oppressive conditions. And Ali was about to quit when they noticed that Joe Frazier quit. Eddie Futch was stopping the fight. Well, Joe didn't quit. Eddie Futch stopped the fight. Um, and I, I was friends with Eddie uh, um, when I moved to Vegas, and we talked about that fight a lot. And, he, you know, he said Joe would have gone blind if he would have gone out there for that 15th round, but he didn't care. He was such a warrior that he wanted to fight, and Eddie felt like he had to protect him. Um, but to me, when you consider the skill level of the fighters involved as well as the intensity of the action, that, in my mind, is the greatest fight that was ever held. Mm. And Frazier, we later learned they had been protecting it, Futch had been protecting it, was blind in one eye and had been passing all of these different uh, neurological and eye exams, et cetera. And, and, you know, the commissions weren't as stringent back in the 60s, 70s uh, with it. And, and the other eye was swollen to the point that he couldn't see well enough to defend himself anymore. And the 13th and 14th round was just taking such punishment from Ali. Uh, Marquise, to you, uh, epic, epic third fight. Uh, neither guy was ever the same after that, unfortunately. They just all out, toe-to-toe, uh, -to -toe, really, especially in the latter rounds of that fight, Marquise, 45 years ago. Absolutely, and just my recollection of the fight, because in 1975, guys, I wasn't there for it. You were not on the planet yet. Make Kevin and I feel even older. You were not on the planet yet, but continue. <laughs> no, not so much. But but, but just growing up as a kid, you hear, you hear about it over and over again. Like in every reference I had just growing up as a kid, you'll hear about the Frilla in Manila, like in rap songs or in TV shows, and be like, well, what is this? And then you'd go back and watch this fight and just see how much these guys just slugged it all out. Mm. And, and you mentioned, TJ, how Ali and Frazier were never the same again. You mentioned how pretty much Frazier couldn't see at one point. And we all know Ali uh, would continue on, and then he would lose the Sphinx, and then from there right. it was really downhill. But no, this really is really, as Kevin mentioned, it's one of the greatest fights out there. Like They just I, they just teed off on each other, especially in the latter part of this fight. So, uh, And I, I still remember the late fight doctor, Ferdy Pacheco, uh, he he openly would give interview after interview and talk about that afternoon in Manila and and his concern and he even said to Angelo Dundee here one of the as the fight was going on one of these guys may die Angie we got to be careful of how hot it is and how how brutal this fight is uh, they were legitimately concerned not just for Ali losing the fight but being seriously injured or, or worse and yet he won it. Uh, in the in the thriller in Manila 45 years ago, and we wrote a little bit about it on BigFightWeekend.com uh, as well. Love the historical part of this. Uh, we, we talked uh, even in the last couple of weeks, uh, Kevin, about Ali regaining the title for the third time three years later against Leon Spinks, Superdome, New Orleans. 90 million people yeah. watched on TV. <laughs> Just, I mean, Kevin, incredible that it is the most watched event other than a Super Bowl ever on any television program, anything, to see Ali regain the title three years later, an aging, less skilled, less reflexes Ali, but still great enough to beat Spinks. 90 million people. The same that check out Kevin Ioli stuff on Yahoo or whenever he's on. 90 million. Holy cow. 
Yeah, that, my paycheck, my weekly paycheck. You know, they, uh, <laughs> I, I think, you know, that you just don't, there's no athlete. And, you know, whoever we want to say is the gr- biggest athlete in, in the world today, Le, you know, LeBron right. James or Tom Brady or whoever it is, they they just can't hold a candle to what Ali was in terms of significance in, in not only the U.S. society, but the world society. I mean, he was by far are the biggest athlete in the world. You know, you're my age and you remember that going up and, and I mean, just go on YouTube and you can find Ali on the Mike Douglas show and the Dick Cavett show and the Tonight Show and, <laughs> right. and mm-hmm. Bob Hope show and, you know, all these different, you know, and he was everywhere and he did the same thing in the UK and he traveled the world and, you know, it, it, it was just, it was an amazing uh, period to be alive to see what Muhammad, you know, to see Muhammad Ali uh, in person and, you know, the um, I started covering Bob when I was in college, I got my first full-time job. Uh, I graduated college in 1981. I graduated high school in 77. So I was covering my last two years. I had a full-time job. My last two years of college, I had a full-time job. And whenever there were fights, I would cover those fights because nobody else wanted to cover them. Ali retired in 81. And so I never got to cover any of his fights in person. So the first time I met him, um, Gene Kilroy, who was a friend of mine who was in Ali's camp, he brought me, uh, and I didn't know Ali was going to be there, but there was a Nevada Athletic Commission hearing, and Ali was making a statement that day. And I walk up, and I'm walking into the building. It was at the Clark County Government Center here in Las Vegas. And I'm walking in to get to the hearing, and Kilroy calls me. He says, come here. And I'm like, Gene, I'm busy. I can't do this. And he goes, come here. I need to talk to you. And I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I walk over to him and I go and I go around the corner and there I I saw Lonnie and then uh, Ali and he was sitting on a lawn chair and I saw him and I went like that. It was like I saw God. Right. I I, I just this guy my whole life. He was my number one, you know, favorite. I loved him. I idolized him. And as a sports writer, you know, you learn not to do that. And so I don't have that same feeling for anybody today, but him I did. And so I, I'm chit-chatting with him and I'm, you know, being very respectful. And it happened to be a day that, you know, that was at a time when he could talk a little bit, but it, on that particular day, he couldn't talk very well. So he reached up and he grabbed my head and he pulled it down and he pushed my ear to his mouth. And he said, I, my friend tells me about you. You must be the greatest. And I just about <laughs> fell over and I said, I said, I want to call my father so bad and tell him what Muhammad Ali just said to me. I mean, it was just um, wow, unbelievable. And, and just to uh, elaborate a little more, Ali was beloved all over the world like Kevin is talking about when he fought uh, George Foreman uh, in Africa just before fighting Frazier for the, uh, the third time, 1974, the Rumble in the Jungle. Beloved by an entire continent, not just in Zaire, in the country where they were fighting. Ali would fight in England. He would fight in Germany. He would fight in the wherever in the Far East and beloved everywhere he went. As as you know, what the problem was, TJ was really sad. If you go back and you were old enough to remember, Ali was beloved everywhere over the world, but in the United States, except in the United States, yes, they divided. So in the United States at that time, he, you know, later in his career, you know, so at seventy-five, I think it started to swing in his direction. But even then, you know, it wasn't. But except in the United States, which is really, when you think about it, uh, what what this man did and and what he did in his life after boxing, you know, going and meeting with Ayatollah Khomeini and bringing home hostages, and you know, the famous story. I'm sure you guys know about it, but some people listening may not when 
there was a guy threatening to commit suicide in L.A. jumping out of a window, and they called Ali, and Ali went up and went in the room next to him, opened the window, and went out and talked him in. I mean, and that was the kind of impact that this had on the world. And um, just an amazing person, and to, you know, to have been around to live through that uh, on the wide world of sports interviews with Howard Cosell, uh, just, just a remarkable time. I still love one of the exchanges when you go back and look and Cosell says to him, Muhammad, you're particularly truculent today. And he says, deadpan right back. I don't know what that is, but if it's good, I'm happy. So yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know what that word means, but let's go on. So they had a, such a great relationship uh, they were foils together on TV, but you're right. I mean, it was a, it was an iconic time, Ali, especially in the 70s, and that fight with Frazier. Relive it uh, through YouTube, etc. cetera. Uh, one more time that it was 45 years ago for the late Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Speaking of late, we have kept F- Kevin Ioli late. Marquise, we bow to Kevin Ioli, do we not? Here hopping on Absolutely. on short notice. Uh, thank you. We appreciate you joining us. Follow him on social media at Kevin I. Very easy, the, the letter I. Kevin I for Kevin Ioli's Twitter handle. Find him on Yahoo's coverage of boxing and the MMA and the combat sports. And we're looking forward to all the fights that are that are coming up down the road. Kevin, you're a trooper to have hopped on with us and broken things down. Great Ali story as well. You came strong here. We'd love to have you again down the road. And we promise we'll give you more than like 37 minutes notice next time uh, when we get you on. Kevin, thank you. Guys, I appreciate you. There he goes. Love that man's insight. We got more on the way with Marquise Johns hanging with me here, talking about the fights coming this weekend and maybe even a wagering angle or two for our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast and sportsgamblingpodcast.com, as all of that is still to come. But first, we remind you that Big Fight Weekend on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know the NFL is back, and now we have the NBA Finals going on as well. It means only one thing, winning season at MyBookie. And whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, MyBookie is your best bet right now this fall. And they've got a $100,000 super contest going on for just a $10 entry fee. And they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest in this kind of opportunity through mybookie.ag. Just use our promo code SGP and get a 100% deposit match for your initial deposit with mybookie. All the way up to $1,000. That means you put $100 in, they'll match it with $100. $500, they'll match it with $500 as well. All the way up to $1,000, no matter if we're talking NFL, college football, NBA finals, Major League Baseball playoffs that are here now. They've got it all at mybookie.ag. Deposit bonus match available for first-time users with the promo code SGP. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by BetQL. If you want to get an advantage over your sports book with the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball back in action, you need to download this app, BetQL. It's the only app you need to make smart bets this season. And they've got some great algorithms, a best bet algorithm that has thousands of data points 
to give you the top information and the best recommendation on what to wager on. Uh, Whether you're talking about the NBA games, whether you're talking about the UFC pay-per-view this weekend, whether you're talking about the fights that we're talking about on Big Fight Weekend, you go to BetQL, you pick from all of the different uh, data points and recommendations. They're giving you great info, great sharp data to help you make the bet. You can even see where most of the betting public is betting if you want to go the opposite direction. And with BetQL, if you live in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, or West Virginia, you can claim an exclusive offer from sportsbooks and use BetQL's data to make the right bets. Again, if you're in Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, West Virginia, a special offer awaits you with BetQL. Go to the Apple Store, go to the Google Play Store, download it, enter the promo code SGP, by the way, and you get 20% off your initial subscription. So even more incentive for BetQL. Remember, the promo code is SGP20 and take 20% off with BetQL. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sportsbook but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. Back in once more with the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns. Find him at Week Sauce Radio. By the way, how good was Kevin Ioli one more time from Yahoo Sports? Hanging out, yeah. telling stories with us, talking about the news of the week, etc. Ali's story, the whole bit. That was a blast, wasn't it? That was that was good stuff, TJ. And you, you, those are the stories that you can hear about Ali and just him just being being around the sport for so long that you can listen to those forever, honestly. Well, yeah, and there's so many of them. There's so many guys uh, that he touched, and uh, and all the all the different uh, reporters and people. You cannot overstate uh, how iconic he was. Where everywhere that he went, people knew. Even if you weren't a sports fan, you knew Ali uh, in that time period. Uh, in that time period, and the and the fight with Frazier, the 45th anniversary of the Thrilla in Manila. All right, so uh, we don't exactly, I'm segueing, have a Thrilla in Manila this weekend from any of our different uh, fight cards uh, that are taking place, but still, it is our duty, it is our obligation to go over what is there, what's on the slate. Again, some better fights coming in the in the coming next two or three weeks, including that Lomachenko-Lopez unified lightweight championship fight in the middle of the month. We mentioned Tank Davis, Leo Santa Cruz now moving to the end of the month off the October 24th date, uh, it looks like. For this weekend, probably the most significant fight card is the Las Vegas top-ranked ESPN Plus card. That's Ivan Baranchik, Jose Zapata in the main event, junior welterweight, 10-round uh, battle in that one. The co-feature, Gabe Flores, Gabriel Flores Jr. Uh, in action, unbeaten, up-and-coming, lightweight himself in action in that one. Marquise, that's that's probably the most noteworthy card, at least in the U.S., for this weekend. 
for the most part, that's the go-to card uh, in terms of uh, the closeness of fights. The, the one uh, thing about the Zapata uh, Baranchik fight card, TJ, is that that main event is for the uh, WBC uh, super uh, lightweight title at 140. What that means in English for everyone listening is it's a, it's a, it's a regional title that's going to pretty much rank them at the uh, 140 division in the WBC. The current belt held by Jose Ramirez, and that sooner or later, Ramirez and Taylor are going to fight for that unification for all the belts. And then that man, they will have this fight. Winner of this fight will more likely teach it be a mandatory down the line to take on the winner of that fight after down the line as well. Yeah, so we'll see if one of them can get in front of the winner of Taylor and Ramirez. That's a fairly even fight, Marquise, in terms of a betting proposition. If you're looking to wager that, that may be the most fifty-fifty, uh, let's say, of any of the significant fights this weekend, right? Absolutely, TJ. And if you're putting a little wager on it, I think Cepeda should be the favorite in this fight. Go with the favorite. Go with the distance on this. Branch is a guy that does not get knocked down, TJ. He was the one in the last school round I've seen in the World Boxing Super Series take on Josh Taylor for 12 rounds. And Josh Taylor pretty much won about 11 of those rounds, but he was still hanging in there. So it's, it's going to be couldn't one of those knock him out. Yeah, couldn't knock yeah, him yeah. out. And Flores, very exciting, up-and-coming, younger fighter. Uh, what is he, 20? I think he just turned 20 earlier this yes. year. So uh, he's expected to win. Uh, keep an eye on him in the lightweight mix as well uh, here on the undercard of that fight, right? Absolutely, teaching. I got you covered. He is taking on Ryan the Poland's Prince Kwiatkowski. Uh That is the uh, ten rounder for, and a big step of fight for him. Uh, that's going to be interesting as well. Also on this Ty Cartesia is on, on the ESPN Plus. Uh, keep an eye out on this heavyweight prospect Guido Vianello. Yeah, uh, he's in another another two no fight. He's been pretty much mowing down the competition so far, and he's, he's one of their heavyweight prospects. Unbeaten he's Italian, uh, former Olympian. He's been training out in out in Vegas. Actually went uh, went back to Italy, and I think has come back to the United States in the last two or three weeks. Was allowed back in and has been training back in the U.S. So uh, Tony Yoka is the former gold medalist from France in the heavyweight division. He's unbeaten. Uh-huh. You've got some young guys. Vianello is another one of the young guys in the heavyweight division uh, to keep an eye on. And Top Rank has got several of them in the stable. So we'll see how that goes. The FS1 card is actually also a Saturday night card, but it's basically prospects, correct, on Fox Sports 1 cable coming on Saturday as well? Absolutely, TJ. The big main event on that, it's a lot of prospects. The main event is uh, Mark Masayo versus uh, Hibiyoto uh, Hermanillo uh, in a uh, 10-rounder for the main event. But the fights to look for on that one is actually the undercard itself. There are the uh, prospects on this one are the Baronet twins, uh, kids fresh out of high school, TJ, 19 and 18. Wow. Uh, in, their, in, their, in their fights uh, going up, going in action, as well as uh, Paul Crow, who's a welterweight prospect out of the Philadelphia stable, TJ. This is, this is a name that a lot of folks have been mentioning in the same camp of like Jerron Ennis at welterweight as the next big thing to come up out of, out of that whole ranks. And they, they mentioned Jerron Ennis as one. They mentioned Paul Crowles, too. So he's one to keep an eye on as well. So again, uh, Angel Barrentes and Chavez Barrentes will also be fighting on that FS1 card. And interesting in England, it is a Sunday night card on DAZN Matchroom Boxing. Uh, and uh, Joshua Boutsy, correct? Did I come close mm-hmm. on that? Is the light heavyweight fighting Marco Kalich. Uh, the interesting thing about this is we have just learned uh, on on uh, the taping of this podcast on Thursday for it to be released that Eddie Hearn, the premier promoter, the the carnival barker of Matchroom Boxing, has announced <laughs> he has COVID nineteen. I joked with you before. 
that when we were seeing him in and around all these fights, I mean, nobody's got masks on in the UK. They're around all these. And here, Eddie Hearn has COVID-19 and had to leave the bubble at his own show uh, coming up here. Can't be around the fighters. He tested positive. And he's going to have to be isolated for 10 days, 14 days, something like that for some of their fight cards uh, that are coming later in the month. Uh, how about that? The fighters all tested negative, including uh, the females that are fighting for the uh, the women's junior welterweight title and the other fighters that are on the undercard. Um, all the fighters and all their, their handlers are negative, but the promoter, the biggest front man for all of it, Eddie Hearn, can't be around his own promotion for Sunday night. Real quick, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. Now, and he would mention it before before we're recording uh, that he was absolutely gutted about this. I was reading online when the news broke about this. Someone on Twitter had the great punchline, TJ. And I know you'll appreciate this. Uh, someone asked, "Did they test this B sample, the COVID test?" <laughs> but, but, but all, all to go all back to uh, Dillian White and any of uh, of the other fighters that don't seem to have a B sample that we can test and can figure out. That's true. Yeah, so but all 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 hijinks aside about that, but no, he, yeah, he's 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 not going to be there. Everyone else tested uh, clear to go for this fight. The one thing about this fight, TJ, I know uh, Butassi is, uh, is a huge favorite. I want to say when I looked at the odds, I want to say he's like negative thirty three hundred to wow. beat Kellick, who was unbeaten out of Croatia. Not exactly the most competitive fight uh in the, for a main event. The one fight on this card. I do want to keep your attention to uh, TJ is uh, Chantel Cameron, the woman that you mentioned in the co-main event, uh, facing uh, Adriana and uh, Dos Santos Maria. Uh, she is uh, fighting for this uh, regional title for the WBC Super Lightweight title. That will once again stack her in the ranks to uh, take on the newly crowned WBC champion TJ Jessica McCaskill mm. uh, after after they face off because Cecilia Breakers about a couple of weeks ago mentioned that she wants to evoke a rematch clause to take place sometime in 2021. Yeah, so Breakers, who had had won for 10 years, had won 25 title defenses in a row, loses to McCaskill. They're going to have a rematch, but you're saying that Chantel Cameron or Adriana Dos Santos, uh, Arajo, if I said it correctly, they are fighting yeah. to maybe be in line in that same division on the matchroom to zone card in England coming Sunday. So again, those are the fights for this weekend. We promise there are more noteworthy fights coming later in October. Still, though, plenty of news, plenty of stuff going on, uh, including uh, the Canelo soap. Can we just, uh, can I say it one more time, can we just get him back in the ring? For all the legal wrangling, the lawsuits, the mediator, can we get a Canelo fight out of this? Maybe, as Kevin Ioli said, maybe this is to eliminate Oscar De La Hoya as the promoter and the middleman and just speak directly to DAZN and see if you can't get it worked out with DAZN on what a new deal would be, even maybe without De La Hoya. I don't know. We'll see. But it doesn't look like, with the clock ticking, we're going to see Canelo uh, fight in 2020 here. We're looking at maybe no. early 2021 at this point, Marquise. One more time. Yeah, absolutely, TJ. Now, yeah, the, pretty much uh, Canelo's playing the legal the legal route at this point, and we all know that the court system isn't exactly the fastest way to get your money. So I, we're not we're not seeing him fight at all this year, which doesn't is really look a shame, like it. TJ. Doesn't look like imagine, it. Imagine like the biggest person in your sport, TJ, decides not to play because they want their money in right. like, any other sport. Like like LeBron James, for example, it says like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to sue the Lakers in the NBA because I wanted my money. It's like, oh man, really? Like it, it just it's, it's or if Mahomes, really you know, to bring it to the NFL, if Mahomes didn't want to play for the defending champion Chiefs right now for whatever money dispute, hypothetically. But yeah, Canelo is the biggest draw even beyond the heavyweights uh, at this point, at least in North America. 
and he's not in the ring. Um, I don't know that absence is making the heart grow fonder here. I think there are less people caring and less people caring because he can't get in the ring. We'll see what happens with all of this. Uh, Listen, Marquise, we've come to the conclusion. Great stuff here. We encourage everybody to go read the website, right? Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, your place for all things boxing, past, present, and future. We'll keep an eye on the the latest on anything going on with the Canelo lawsuit, as well as anybody else uh, testing positive for COVID, as well as anything else in the world of boxing, past, present, and future with the recaps of this weekend's fights, including the importance of the branch takes a pay to fight to see who comes out on top. Yep, we got all of those fights this weekend. Again, the Vegas bubble for top rank and ESPN Plus on Saturday. Fox Sports 1 with a card. The DAZN matchroom card is a Sunday night card. We'll be previewing them, writing all about it, and, and everything there on BigFightWeekend.com. Follow Marquise at Week Sauce Radio. Our thanks also to Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports for hanging out with us here on the podcast. Subscribe again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. However you found us, thanks again to our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows, SportsGamblingPodcast.com. We're kind of their boxing guys. We're their go-to guys for the fights. Let's hope we get some good action this weekend. Much better fights, much more prominent fights coming later in the month. You know where to find us right here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.